you may jump into a short Old Testament series or something. It's a long book and uh, lots of great stuff in it. And so we are going to be in a new series. We don't really know who wrote the book of Hebrews. That's going to be a little bit of a challenge for us because I'm going to, I'm already in the first two services, I've been tempted to say Paul or, you know, yeah, you know, we always say so and so saying. And, um, we don't know who exactly wrote it. Um, there's a bunch of different theories. Some people think Paul wrote it, but uh, others say that it doesn't have Pauline language in it. Um, I would disagree in the first four verses. I think the first four verses sound a lot like Colossians 1. If you've ever read Colossians 1, they, I think they sound a lot alike. But a lot of scholars say that it's just not Paul's style of, of writing. And so uh, some people have concluded that he wrote it in Hebrew and then Luke translated it into Greek. And that could be possible. Other people say Apollos or Barnabas, a bunch of different theories. But we, what we do know is it's the inspired Word of God. And so we, we're going to look at it. It's really a great book. Uh, it's got some great themes in it. And so I'm excited to share that with you. By the way, did someone talk to you about our missions brochure? Did anybody talk to you about that? Did Michelle mention that at all? Uh, this should be in your bulletin. Man, this is just so exciting. Uh, this is, uh, we try to do this at the end of the year. This is our missions giving uh, up to December 6th. So it's not going to be all the way through the year. Uh, but the reason for that is we want to give it to you uh, so you can look at it at the end of the year. But some of you may open up the budget and you'll see like uh, 3% goes to the, to the association, 3% to the IMB, 5% uh, or 5% to the association, 3 to the IMB, 3 to, um, to the cooperative program, and then 5 to LABC Lincoln, Lincoln Avenue Missions. But you don't know exactly, especially what that 5% means. And so um, Paula and Andrew have worked really hard on on putting this out for you. And this is kind of a list of, of ministries that we supported this year as a church and you as individuals through the church, your giving. And uh, just, I want you to look that over. Really exciting stuff. Um, 258000 That's That's awesome, isn't it? Uh, just praise the Lord for that that much money devoted to missions. Um, again, that's, that's, not, um, that's not our benevolence fund that we give to... Uh, to help people right here in our own town. That's not our own ministry, our own discipleship, Sunday school, team kid. None, none of that. This is all, this is just money that we have pushed out into the ends of the earth and to other ministries, to other, other people, other partnering with other folks. And so really exciting. I hope you'll take the time to, to look at that, but not during the sermon. All right. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Here we go. Long ago, many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Father God, we thank you for this great picture of Jesus. We thank you for speaking to us, God, that you would step out of eternity and that you would communicate to us who you are, that you would share with us your plan, your will, your truth. God, help us to listen. Father, forgive us when we don't listen. Father, we we pray for your help today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
It is very true that we must learn to listen, right? I mean, you just don't start out un- understanding those things and doing well at that. We have to learn to listen. And uh, prob- probably the best place this is seen is with children. Um, the great thing about being a baby is you get a free pass. It's the only time in life that you get a free pass. Um, at the end of this last service, uh, Kai and Chris and Callie were standing in the back. And so as I was walking and somebody else was praying and I rubbed Kai's head and said kind of hello to him and he held out his arms to me. And so I, I took him and, and I stood with him as people filed by, you know, and so I shook hands. He was kind of pastor in training, you know, and talked to people and everything, but there would be people who would come up and talk to him. I don't know what it was about him, but he's like, nah, not you, you know, he just look away, you know? I don't care about you. And they'd be like, hi, Kai, how you doing? He'd be like, get back, you know? I mean, you just, and the great deal about that is when you're a baby, you get a free pass with that, you know? I mean, nobody gets insulted. No, nobody picked a fight with him. Nobody yelled at him, you know? He just had freedom to ignore whoever he wanted, and he got a free pass, you know? Now, what he's going to find out is as he gets bigger, the free pass is withdrawn, okay? So when you're a toddler, if you've ever noticed, toddlers don't get, they get grace, but they don't get the free pass, right? Someone talks to them, their mom intercedes, right? And their mom will come over and say, hey, now, now, listen, Bonnie's talking to you. Hey, bon, did you hear what Bonnie said to you? Bonnie asked you a question, you know? And so they, 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 they draw the, the toddler's attention like, hey, somebody's talking to you and you need to respond. You need to listen. You need to pay attention, right? And in fact, what mothers usually do is if it doesn't work right away, they go ahead and channel through the child. Have you ever seen a mom do that? You know, they're, they're, hey, Bonnie's asked you any question. Yeah. Four, you know, it's, it's like they, they, they just answer for the kid, you know, it's, it's, they, they can't stand it, the kid's failing, he's not doing it, and so they go ahead and, and answer for him. Now, what gets really embarrassing is when the kid turns like 14 or so, and mom is still doing that. I mean, then, then it's shameful, you know, I mean, mom's still like, honey, you know, Mr. Casher's talking to you, honey, honey, he asked you a question, he's playing football, you know, and, and then she gets to the car, and she's like, why do you do that, you know, you gotta listen to people, you gotta pay attention, you gotta look at him. you know, I mean, you know, he gets a chewing for that. Okay, now, once you hit adulthood, pay attention, please. Once you hit adulthood, no free pass. No free pass. And in fact, not listening, not acknowledging people, not when someone speaks to you and you do not acknowledge, you don't listen, you, you ignore, you, you, you whatever. When you do that, most all adults will consider it offensive. They will consider it hostile, okay? They will consider that. Now, in, in the man world, it's about 50-50 probably, you know? 50% will, will consider it a hostile thing. The other 50 will be like, man, what's wrong with that dude, you know? He must have had a hard week or whatever. His wife must be mad at, you know, something like that. All the women, 100% of the women will assume that you are mad at them. Okay. They'll be like, what did I do? You know, I was always nice. You know, they don't even talk about me. You know, it'll be a bad deal. They will consider it to be a hostile thing that you did not listen to them. Okay. So we all understand those rules of engagement, those rules of, of, of listening, those rules of when you're spoken to. Now what Hebrews one drives home to us today is that God is speaking to you. Did you hear me? God is speaking, all right? It's very clear. Long ago, verse 1, and many times in many places, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In these last days, He has spoken to us. Notice those words. He has spoken to us by His Son. God has spoken to us. In fact, the Old Testament, Psalm 19 is a great passage. Psalm 19 tells us that God has spoken to us in many ways, even through nature. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. 
And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. I was driving to the church about 545 this morning. I was over on 22nd Street and I looked over and it was, it was almost a kind of a freaky deal. You know, it confused me for a second because that's west and that's east. But the moon was setting, okay? The moon was setting. It was huge. I mean, as big as what the sun usually looks like in the sky. And it was setting on the horizon and it was kind of sprawled out in an oval and it was yellow okay it was it was a yellow color i stopped and took a picture you have to look at it on the iphone it looks like a little white dot that's all we got but anyway in, in real in, in in actual life i mean it was just i stopped and it was glorious you know i mean there's this 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 moon that's setting down and just shining its light and, and the bible tells us the heavens speak to you about god's glory in fact romans 1 takes psalm 19 and it expands it and says look nobody is off the hook Nobody's off the hook as far as God's speaking to him. Nobody's going to be able to say, you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know about God. I didn't know that's who he was. I didn't know about his planet. I didn't know that. You know, Romans 1 says nobody's off the hook because you can walk outside and you can look around at creation and you can look at people and you can look at the design of the universe and you can know God has spoken clearly to you that there is an almighty creator God. He is sustaining the earth as it is. He owns you. You are creation, not creator. The Bible says you can know that just from creation. Now, God has spoken to us in special, that's what's called special revelation, through the prophets, through men, inspired by the Holy Spirit. If my kids were here today, you can ask them the catechism question, who wrote the Bible? They would answer to you, holy men taught by the Holy Spirit. That's the answer to that question. Second Peter goes a little further. It says in 2 Peter 1.21, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So throughout the history of redemption, God has chosen certain men and He has filled them with His Spirit and He has used their personality and their circumstances and their, 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 their situation in life and God has spoken His truth. He has revealed Himself. He's revealed His character. He's revealed His will. He's revealed His commands. He's revealed His salvation through those men and they have written it down in the book that hopefully you hold on your lap. If you don't have one, go get one. We'll give you one. In this word, in the scriptures, this is the word of God. It is the spoken word to us. God revealing himself. Revealing himself. That's, that's what we're going to learn here in Hebrews. It is the, it's the revelation of himself. God, God is showing you who he is. And my friends, that is paramount that you understand who God is. If you don't understand who God is, you don't understand anything rightly. I can, I can say that with all authority. You, you, don't, you don't see the world rightly if you don't see God rightly. You don't see marriage rightly if you don't see God rightly. You don't see parenting right if you don't see God rightly. You don't see anything else in the world rightly if you don't see God. You must see God. Not knowing who God is causes all kinds of problems in your life. In fact, Hosea in the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love. No knowledge of God in the land. No knowledge of God. They don't know me. Verse Down to verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Your life will be destroyed if you don't know God, if you don't know His will, if you don't know His plan. First Thessalonians chapter 4 is one of, the, one of the most interesting passages in the Bible about sexual immorality. It starts in verse 3 and just gives kind of this blanket command about sexual immorality. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So it just gives us a command there. Abstain from sexual abstain from pornography, from, from fornication, from sex outside of marriage, from adultery, just, just a broad category of sexual morality. Verse 4, 
Let each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Now listen to verse 5. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Do you see that? You see, not knowing God leads you to live in a certain way. Not knowing God means you aren't afraid of what you ought to be afraid of. Not knowing God causes you to choose paths in your life that are not good for you, that are destructive, that bring judgment, that bring harm, that hurt other people. Not knowing God affects every area of your life. And so Hebrews 1 is saying to us, God is speaking to you. And there's all kinds of resistance about that. Let me tell you. Your flesh is going to resist that by nature. You're a sinner. You're bent the wrong way. Your, your, your God antenna is broken, okay? And, and, and Satan is against you in this. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Let me, here's, this is Satan's strategy right here. I've looked at this verse a bunch with you uh, over the years. I think it's a pivotal verse in the New Testament. It says, in their case, speaking of people that don't know Christ, the God of this world, not, not big God, but that's talking about Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. What, what is Satan's strategy? His strategy is to blind your mind so that you don't see, hear, know certain things. What certain things? Let's keep reading. Blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who's the image of God? We'll talk about that in just, just a minute. What does Satan not want you to see? He does not want you to see the glory of Jesus He does not want you to see God's character. He does not want you to see God's work of redemption. He does not want you to see that. Because if you see it, you'll love it. Okay? If you see it, you'll want it. If you see it, you'll you'll be drawn to it. Amen. That's right. He is our Savior all the day long. There is no clear revelation of God, no clear picture of the divine nature and God's plan of redemption than the life and the words of Jesus. Okay? Now let's talk about Jesus a little bit. Okay? Here, here's what Hebrews is going to do. It's going to tell us about Jesus. In fact, the whole book has this theme of Jesus being better than anything. Chapter 1 is specifically better than the angels. We won't actually get to that part. But, but, what, but the point is, Jesus is not simply a prophet. Okay? See, the, 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 the religion of Islam. Muslims want you to think that Jesus was a prophet. He was just like Muhammad. He's just like Moses. He's just a prophet. He, he's just a guy kind of speaking for God. And what the Bible is going to tell you about Jesus, notice in verse um, 3, he's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, okay? Jesus is God. What John 1 is going to tell you is that Jesus is the Word made flesh. He was with God. He is God. Jesus is God, okay? God has revealed himself in the person, the work, the life the, the, the words of Jesus Christ, okay? John 1.14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father. We see the glory of Jesus, or we see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ, okay? Now listen, do not think, do not think, and you're, you're going to hear this, you're going to hear this, you're going to hear people say, well, you know, the Muslims, they worship Allah, and the, the, the Buddhists, they worship Buddha, and, and they say, but, but really, there's only one God, and so everybody's really worshiping the same God. No, they are not. No, they're not, okay? They're worshiping very different gods, okay? Because our God, the true God, is only revealed through, through, through nature, but special revelation, he's revealed through the scriptures and through the person and work and life of Jesus Christ. Any other God, any other, no, it's not God. Okay, you say, well, you know, it's just a different name, but it's really the same. No, I mean, if I, if I let me, here, here's how I'll explain this. If, if I would tell you, we have a pastor at this church whose name is Andrew. Andrew's a great guy. Uh, he's been here 13 years. 
Uh, he loves the mountain bike. He loves the sovereignty of God. He reads his own piper. Um, he's married to Michelle. He's from St. Louis. He went to Southwest Baptist University. That's Andrew, okay? Now, if somebody else from this church tells you, hey, we've got a pastor. His name is Andrewski, you know? And, and, and he, he's a polygamist. He's got seven wives. And he owns a casino in Vegas. And he's a communist, you know? And, and, and he once killed a man with a knife because he scratched his bicycle, his niner. That's Pastor Andrewski. You know, I would say, no, we don't have that pastor. And you say, well, you call him Andrew. I call him Andrew. It's the same guy. It's not the same guy, all right? Those are two different guys, right? I mean, how can that be the same guy? It can't. The Muslims are not talking about our God when they talk about Allah. They're talking about somebody different. They're talking about a demon. They're talking about a false God, an idol. Okay? God is only revealed through His Word, through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, friends, you cannot know anything else rightly Until you know God, you only see God through the person and the work of Jesus Christ through the Scriptures. We can't love God unless we know Him. We we, we won't seek Him unless we know Him. We can't fear Him unless we know Him. The the big issue, you know, I think we we come in here thinking that we got all these other big issues on our life. Really, they're all boiled down to this one big one is I got to know God. I got to know what His plan for me is. I got to know what He's done. I got to know who He is. I got to know His character. I, I got to know him. And so many times we want to know everything else but that. You know, our, te- our temptation is to be so interested in everything else and not interested in this. And the reason that's our temptation is because we're sinners. We're broken that way. I, I mean, our inclination is to know every quarterback, every coach, every, every, every linebacker in, in the Big 12, and to be able to name them from memory and not know anything about Jesus from the Bible. That's our, that's our inclination. That's part of our sinful brokenness. Or even worse, here, here's, here's even worse. Even worse is for us to, to, to not, not look at, listen to who the Bible says God is, who the Bible says Jesus is, but rather just to give our own opinion about who the Bible says Jesus is, who God is. I mean, that, that's even worse. That's the height of arrogance is to say, well, you know, my God is this, you know, and well, I think this about God. And well, I know the Bible says that this is wrong, but I don't really think God cares about that. Do, do, do you see how arrogant that is? If God has inspired the scriptures, if God has spoken his truth through Jesus, and he has told you this thing, and you're going to say, I don't really like that, so I don't think that's how God is. I think God is this way. Why do I think that? Because it's my opinion, and my opinion is what counts, and that's what I think. Folks, not only is that unwise, that is aggressively hostile toward God. And if, if I would do that to you in your house, you would be angry with me. If I come to your house and I'm like, hey, tell me about yourself. And you say, well, I grew up on a farm out near Sharon, Oklahoma. And uh, I used to milk cows growing up and uh, played basketball on the Visai, you know, basketball team. And I, well, I was all state there. And I loved to, I loved to, uh, to play in the band. I, I played the clarinet. And as you're speaking, you know, you're telling me about your family and your kids. And I'm like, well, uh, first thing I start drifting off, you know, and I'm just not listening anymore. And finally, I'm like, you know, I, I don't think that's who you are. I, I actually think you grew up in Detroit. That's what it looks like to me. I think you grew up in Detroit and I think you were in a gang. And, you know, I saw that scar on your arm. I, you were in a knife fight where you killed a man. You killed, you killed, you're a murderer. You killed a man and, and, and you never played the clarinet and you You'd strike me as a tuba person. You played the tuba, you know. And I, I start telling you who you are. 
One, you think as a wacko, all right, right? But, but two, it's just a little bit insulting. Friends, we're not at liberty to say this is who God is. This is what God cares about. I, I don't think I, I, I believe in God, but I'm not going to go to church because I don't think God cares. Where did you get that God doesn't care about that? I mean, you're just, you're just making your own God. So what Hebrews 1 says, it says, God has spoken to us. He has spoken to us. And then, and then we get three verses packed full of the glory of Jesus. And I believe that he does that here, just emphasizing, putting exclamation points behind this. Listen to him. Listen. I mean, I mean, it makes sense that, that he would give his credentials here, that we would get, we would see who he is, and then the writer of Hebrews would give us that so that we would be all the more likely to listen to Jesus when he speaks. We're that way, right? If I tell you, hey guys, guess what? Tonight, a man who walked on the moon, walked on the moon, is going to be right here at Lincoln Avenue, and he's going to give a lecture about that. Many of you would come. You would come, right? Because the guy has walked on the moon, he's going to come tell us about it. Okay, if I tell you, hey, there's going to be a lady. She's going to be here. She has walked in the mall. She's walked in the mall. She's going to be here tonight to tell us about it. I'm not coming, and probably most of you are not coming either, right? That's not impressive. I, I, I don't care to hear about it. it. You know, great. Okay? People will hang on every word of a man who's built a business that's worth a billion dollars, you know? There's a guy, and I told you, hey, there's this guy, he's a billionaire. He's built this billion-dollar business. He'll be here tonight to talk about business. Man, every businessman in our church would be here tonight saying, how do you, tell us about your, tell us about principles. Tell us about saving. Tell us about investing. Tell us about that, okay? If I bring another guy in, and he holds up a birdhouse, and he says, I built this birdhouse, and I'm going to be here tonight to tell you about it, okay? Not very many of you are going to come, right? That's not very impressive. So what Hebrews 1 is doing for us, it's saying, God has spoken to us through Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. And here's what we learn. Verse 2. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now, if you were here last week, man, you saw in Daniel 7, we saw this happen. We saw prophetically that the heavens open up and the ancient day takes a seat on the fiery throne and the ancient of days uh, presents the Son of Man. The Son of Man comes in and he gives him the kingdom. He gives him dominion and honor and glory in the kingdom forever and ever. Okay? Verse 2 is saying the same thing. Jesus is the heir of all things. It all belongs to Jesus. He gets everything. Everything finds its ultimate meaning and purpose in Jesus. All things exist by and for Jesus Christ. He is the heir of all things. And listen, the gospel message is this. I can't believe it. It's just so awesome that I get to tell it to you every week. The gospel message is this. is that that Jesus who sits on the throne, who's the heir of all things, who everything belongs to and everything will be gathered up to and he'll own the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever. That Jesus died for your sins. He has loved you. He has lived the perfect life. And now if you repent of your sins and be joined to him by faith, if you put your trust in him, you'll be connected, tethered to Jesus Christ and you will share his inheritance. You will share, you will, you will be a fellow heir with Christ. Romans 8 tells us that forever and ever. Why would anybody in the right mind say not interested to that? The only explanation to that is they don't see who God is. Why did I reject it for 18 years? Why in the world did I pick the trash of the world? And I was in misery and I was unhappy. Why did I do that for 18 years? You know why? I didn't see his glory. 
God was speaking and I was not listening. I didn't get it. I didn't hear it. I was checked out. That's the only explanation for why you would not be interested in the gospel. Verse 3, who's Jesus? He is the radiance of the glory of God. Radiance is a great word, is it not? He is the radiance of the glory of God, okay? He is the shining forth of God's glory. Everybody I read used the same example, the same illustration for this. And it was an illustration of the sun. Okay, so you got the sun, sun 93 million miles away. All right. Now you can't go to the sun, right? You can't visit the sun. You can't have a holiday on the sun. You burn up. Okay. In the same way that you can't stand before an almighty God. Remember what Moses said? Moses said, I just want to see you, God. I just want to see your glory. And God said, well, you can't, you can't see me to my face. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you in the rock here. I'll cover you up with my hand. I'll walk past you. I'll let you see my back. That's, that's all I can do for you, Moses. You can't see my glory face to face. You just can't handle it. Okay. In the same way we can't we can't stand for an almighty god god sends jesus to be born bethlehem christmas in human flesh be born as a man he lives out his life radiating the glory of the sun the glory of god right on a summer day you can't go to the sun but on a summer day even today actually today you walk outside and you look up and then you squint your eyes because you, you the rays of the sun are are, are are blinding to you and you can feel its heat on your face it's 93 million miles away it's not awesome and you can feel its heat okay all right jesus is the radiance he's the radiating heat and light he said that about himself didn't he john 8 12 i'm the light of the world i'm the I, i'm the one that gives light to the world All right, let's keep going. Verse 3. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He is the exact imprint of His nature. What does that mean? That means that that Jesus and the Father are not different, okay? There's never a time where God's like, hey, I think we ought to do this. And Jesus is like, you know, I got a different view on that. I think we ought to do this. There's never a time when God's like, you know, He's real kind and compassionate. Jesus, He's not, you know. There's there's not good cop, bad cop, all right? A lot of people think think that about God. They think the Old Testament is God the Father, God of wrath, bad cop, you know. Jesus comes. He's God of of mercy and grace. Now, you haven't read Revelation 19. You haven't seen Him coming on the white horse with the sword coming out of His mouth, slaying the nation. They're the same. They're the exact... Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. When you see Jesus, you are seeing God. Colossians 2.9. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's a good verse, isn't it? In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. John 1. The word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. John 1.14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 14, 9, Jesus says to Philip, Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus says, man, have I not been with you long enough? Once you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians 1, 15, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the exact imprint of his nature. All right, let's keep going. Verse 3, he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That is just phenomenal to me. Isn't it? You know, you, you, you can't have nothing to do with God. Yeah, I, that's what we think. We, we think we can like have nothing to do with him. It's like, hey, you know, religion is good for you. You, 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 you. That's fine. Get on over there. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have nothing to do with God. Dude, he holds you together. Every breath you take is by his word. Every pump of your heart is, is because he said it was okay. 
Every atom in your body stays together because Jesus is sustaining it by his word. The gravity that keeps you on the earth, the, the, the sun that keeps shining, that keeps you from freezing. I mean, it's all sustained by the word of God, by the word of Jesus. He's doing that, okay, for you now. That's who he is. Again, what's the implication of all this? Listen to him. Listen. Open your ears. Verse 3. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Man, Jesus made a way for us to be purified from our sin. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We are polluted. We are ruined. We are unfit for heaven. We we are unpleasing to God. We are guilty. We are defiled. We are sinful. And Jesus has made a way for us to be purified. On my Christmas list is a Camelback water purifier. Randall lent me his when we went to the Grand Canyon. And uh, Em and I went. And, man, there's a lot of ways to purify water. When we go to Red Cloud, we got to do the cheap way. We take these little nasty betadine drops. And, and you get your water from the stream. And you, you put four drops or however, you know, it's, there's a scale. How much, you know, you screw it on there. And, and you shake it up. And then you have to wait for like 30 minutes. You're waiting for that stuff to kill all those nasties in there. You know, they are going to give you diarrhea. All right, and so so you're waiting. This one, this one I got. You, for, uh, we use borrow from Randall. You, you fill it up and you put the cap on. And you you hit the light and you just rotate it for sixty seconds, and it it kills all that stuff somehow. I, I was skeptical, but we didn't get any bad stuff. So I mean, we didn't get sick. So it worked. All right, it, but but here's the deal. Even with that nice water purifier, I don't recommend this. But if you hold that dude up after the 60 seconds, after it's been purified, if you hold that up to the sun, you know what you see? All manner of stuff in there, all right? It's still there. It's just dead, all right? It, it's just not going to kiss. It's not going to give you Giardia now. It's just, right? but it's still in. You still got all the river stuff, you know, the fish that went and the elk and the, yeah, it, the little flay, they're still in there, all right? Who wants to go camping? Who wants to go to this red cloud? Sign up today. Listen to this. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus Christ, in the brilliance of God, he dies your death. And then he lives this righteous life. And as you're connected to him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. How are we righteous? With his righteousness. His righteousness put into my account. So that when God looks at me, he didn't see all the dead floaties. He sees Jesus' righteousness. Is that not amazing? And then, then you know what he did? Look at your scripture, verse 3. He sat down at the right hand of God. Why he sit down? Because he's done. It's done. Hebrews is going to make a big deal of that. We're going to see that again, okay? Hebrews 10, we're going to see it again in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 11. It says, every priest, okay, he's thinking back to the Old Testament. Every priest stands daily at the service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. In the Old Testament, man, the priest had a full-time job. Killing the sacrifice, spreading the blood. Killing the sacrifice, spreading the blood. Killing the sacrifice, spreading the blood. Spreading the, again and again and again, year after year after year after year. They were never done. They never sat down. It was never over. Because it never couldn't really take away sins. But Jesus... Some of you kids, you're in Team Kid, First Peter 3.18, we've been learning this verse. Once, 
Jesus offered once, one time for sacrifice. Verse 12, when Christ had offered all the... the, This is Hebrews 10. uh, When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It is finished. It's done. That's what He said on the cross, wasn't it? It is finished. Your, your, your sins are forgiven. Daniel Castor, it's done. I, I have people come to me. They're like, I, I put my faith in Jesus. I've received him. What else do I need to do? What else do I need to be forgiven? And he did it all. He sat down. Now, there's a lot of people that are afraid to tell you that. You know why they're afraid? They're, t- they're afraid that you're going to be somebody who's going to be like, wow, I can be forgiven. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm joined to Christ, I can be forgiven my sins and, and washed away and have Christ's righteousness. Dude, I'm going to go sin more now. I can't, that's such good news. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to sin it up because all my sins are forgiven. Here's what I would say to that. You're not a Christian. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I can't judge your heart. I can't see you. But, but here's what I know from the scriptures. The person that, that, that looks... That says, I see what Jesus did for me. I see his glory. I see his majesty. I see his love. I see my own wretchedness. And I see that he took it all away. And he made me righteous. And he fills me with his spirit. And he's given me this great plan. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to go out and sin more. Man, I just don't think you've seen him. I don't think you know him. I don't think you, I, I know you don't love him. He sat down. What does that mean? His sacrifice is more than sufficient for all my sins. It's done. Okay. So who's spoken to us, my friends? God has spoken. God is, God is saying, John Arrington, I'm talking to you. He's talking through his son. Who's his son? Who's his son, Dave Biffle? It's Jesus. Jesus is talking to you. God is speaking to you through his son. And the son is the exact imprint of the nature of God. He's the heir of all things. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He upholds the universe with the word of his power. He's the one that's made purifications for sin. He sits right now at the right hand of God. What is the implication to all that? Listen. Be attentive. Now, let's get real practical. God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the life of Jesus. Hopefully, you're going you're to go home this week and you're going to open up your Bibles. You're going to read. Hopefully, you've been listening today. What's the implication? The implication is, are you listening? I can tell you from experience, there's times where I sit down with my Bible, but I'm not listening to God. I'm not hanging on His every word. I'm not, I'm not hearing Him. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not listening. You know, it's impossible. I'm sorry, it's, it's possible to be standing in front of someone and then be speaking to you, and you're, you're, you're ignoring them. Man, I, I, if you don't believe me, come, you be my helper at Team Kids this week, okay? You be my helper, team kids, and we'll get the first or second grade boys in there, and, and I'll start telling them what we're going to do today. Man, they're checked out. They're not listening. I mean, I've got to work really hard to get their attention, okay? And, and, and I really think that we are that way with God sometimes. We, we ignore Him. We're, we're ignoring Him. Maybe even worse, sometimes we're just distracted because other things seem like they're better. Think about all this other stuff. And we just, we just can't pay attention. The reason, the reason we're so distracted is because we really feel like what, what the world has is better than what Jesus has. 
And so our heads continue to turn. I mean, you ought to sit up here sometime and you ought to see when, uh, like, something happens, like on one side. You know, everybody that's in the pews, you think you're just glancing over and looking at it. But from up here, it's, one, it's like you're one being. It's one giant movement. <laughs> it's really interesting. Is not everybody turns back at the same time. It's one movement over, and then it's like, bing, 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 bing. And some people, they never, they're just the whole rest of the time. They're just like, <laughs> That's what was nice about the phone is behind me. So you're still looking this way. <laughs> hey, listen, are, are you, uh, are you pretending to listen to God? Are you pretending to listen to him? Sometimes we do that. We pretend like we listen. We pretend like we are attentive before God. You know, people all the time, don't you? It's actually a skill, isn't it? You check out. And the way, the way you do it is you check back in every once in a while. And you, you, you comment on something they're saying, right? You know, they're talking, talking, talking. You're in whatever land you want to be. And then about every about 15, 20 seconds, you come back in. You're like, really? You know, is that so? You know, all the way to Nebraska. Wow. Check out. Come back in. Your mom gave you that? Check back out, right? And it looks good, but you're just pretending. Are you really listening to God? He's speaking to you. Are you listening? Maybe the two worst ones are, uh, are you arguing? Man, you hear him, but you're, I don't want to forgive. I don't have to. Or maybe, maybe the worst one of all is you hear, but really you act like he's a liar. He tells you, man, this is what's best. This is my plan. This is what's true. And you're like, nah. Nah. I, I heard, but I'm going to do something else. Matthew 17, verse 15. I think it's 15. It's the story of the transfiguration, okay? So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They go up on a high mountain. And Jesus is transfigured before them. What does that mean? That means that God peels back the curtains of time and, 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 and the flesh of Jesus and, and, and his glorious shines, okay? So he's transformed right in front of their eyes. His face is like the blazing of the sun. When I mean, they get a picture of who Jesus really is. And immediately Peter starts talking because that's what he does, you know? And he's like, man, we need to build condos up here. We need to have, you know, we're going to stay up here. We're never going down again. Don't tell me, you know? I mean, he's just talking, talking, talking. And God the Father speaks from heaven. Do you remember what he says? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is my beloved son and with whom I'm well pleased. Listen. Listen to him. And God has spoken. We're not on the hook. We're, none of us are off the hook here. God has spoken. And the question is, are you listening to him? Father in heaven, we ask you, God, to open our hearts and open our minds and God, open our eyes to see who you are, to see your glory, to see your character and your will and your truth in your word and and in Jesus. And God, help us to listen. Help us to pay close attention. Lord, that we not drift away. Father, we we need your help. We, We ask for it. We ask for your Holy Spirit to just to reveal and open our eyes. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Would you stand, please? I'm going to ask you to uh, sing with us, and I'm going to ask you to respond to God. So right where you're at, maybe, maybe, God's been, maybe God's been speaking to you for a long time. You've been ignoring, you've been dodging, you've been pretending, you've been not listening. And maybe, maybe today's the day you're like, you know what? God, I hear you. I'm, I'm going to do what you say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to you today. Maybe you need to make some sort of public profession of faith. Um, Stephen Bonnie uh, Nightingale joining the last service along with Jessica Allison. Um, do you do what God's telling you to do today? I'd be glad to, to receive you this morning. Let's sing together.